This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy and sadness and anger. Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. To my luminaries, Mishpucha. Before we start this, one of my all-time favorite episodes, and I am not even exaggerating here, uh, I did just want to let you know about a little special that's going on. I am offering tarot readings over the next week with 100 percent of proceeds benefiting the Adala Project, uh, a nonprofit which seeks through advocacy, grassroots efforts, and legislature to bring justice to the lives of Palestinian people. I have been, as an Israeli, horrified by the escalating violence among the Israeli military and the Pal- Palestinian people, and I want to support a cause that will effectively change the discourse and work to secure human rights and peace for all. If you're down, DM or email me, adavidodyssey at gmail.com, and I'll send you a booking link. You know, the classic 45-minute to one-hour Zoom reading, suggested donation, $50 to $100, but let's talk about it. I would love to work with you and raise some money for a good cause. I believe in change. Okay, on to the episode, moi. It's The Luminaries with David Odyssey. This time, an all-time great. Ruby McAllister joins me to talk the astrology of Michelle Pfeiffer, my number one, and actress theory. But first, thoughts on the Oasis documentary, Diane's Lane and Weist, Golden Retrievers, The Rebirth of Romance, um, and, you know, look, I rewatched Edward Scissorhands this week. There's a lot to talk about. Thanks for listening. See you on the other side. Mwah. So you are going to think to yourself, why does David sound congested? The reason I sound congested is because I have been weeping. The reason I have been weeping is because I just watched Edward Scissorhands, which just, oh God, it just fucking, they just don't make them like that. Okay. Um, I just want to like remind us all of a time when like set design existed This all happened because I'm a little sick, uh, and today I went into, I watched a YouTube compilation of every Best Actress Oscar winner and every Best Supporting Actress Oscar winner, and I was reminded of Diane Weiss' incredible work in Bullets Over Broadway. Um, Go now, Scorpio. Go back to Pisces. Okay, she's incredible. Shh, shh. Stop talking. Don't speak. Okay, she's incredible. Diane Weist is a messenger of love and light. And in Edward Scissorhands, she never loses her faith in her adopted queer child. She is like Buffy protecting Dawn. She is uh, an unflinching... Um, true protector and when you're gay you are surrounded by men who are obsessed with this straight man well men generally but men who believe in an idea of loyalty 
Um, the only real loyalty that exists in this world is um, between a young gay boy uh, and his mother. When men want loyalty, it's forced and um, there's strings attached. I mean, there's strings attached in all relationships, but I just think Diane Weist taking in Edward and never losing faith in him is so beautiful. And I don't think anyone else could do that but Diane Weist because... I'm not saying she doesn't have a dark side. I think she's a Virgo. Let me just double check that. Um, because, by the way, you know, who who rules the fucking Meryl Streep, Candace Bergen movie, Diane Weiss? She, she steals that movie. But there is, like, a purity to her um, and, like, a, a an intrinsic goodness to that performance. Obviously, Kathy Baker, okay? Um... Oh no, Diane Weiss is an Aries. I know that. I'm so sorry, everyone. Um, Kathy Baker, who classically was on that weird show Boston Public I grew up watching, in which her like son cuts off her hand, and Loretta Devine, she wants th- she wants her character wants to have a funeral for her hand, and L- Loretta Devine doesn't understand it. Between that and Ally McBeal, I don't really understand what Fox's programming mandate was in 1999, but okay. Um, Kathy Baker, Slay. Olan Jones. Um, if you don't know who Olan Jones is, uh, you can thank her for the work... <laughs> For the work and the look of Angel Olsen, let's just, you know, imagine Angel Olsen's cinematic um, uh, antecedent. We've got Olan. Um, It's just such, I'm sorry, I'm going to move on, but I am, I'm just devastated. It was such a beautiful movie. I've seen it many times, but, and you know, again watching that Oscar clip of all of, you know, if if we think about the Weinsteinization of the Oscar system, by the way, I'm not saying that the Oscars were so good to begin with because, (laughs) you know, that that pesky little uh, 50-year gap between Hattie McDaniel and Whoopi Goldberg in terms of women of color ever winning anything. But the I consider the fall of the Oscars as beginning with the piano, the Piano is a bad movie. Neither Anna Paquin nor Holly Hunter, both of whom I love, celebrate, and have supported financially throughout my life. Neither of them deserved an Oscar for that movie. But so begins kind of the dark reign. And of course, you know, what I always complain about, which is the uh, Hollywood ingenue um, conveyor belt, which we've really seen in the last 10 years. We're talking Alicia Vikander, Jennifer Lawrence, Emma Stone, etc. I'm sorry to say it. You can't come for Winona Ryder. You can try. She has a British accent in Bram Stoker's Dracula, and she still fucking tears it. When she is dancing in the snow in Edward Scissorhands, it gets me. I can't even talk about it. I'm going to start crying. But it it just... She is the real deal. She is a Virgo. Okay. She and Keanu... No, she's not a Virgo. She's a Scorpio. Do not listen to me today. You are not here for accuracy today. Uh, You're here for emotion. Um, Winona is is unreal. Um, I don't know. The movie is just so upsetting because I do think, like, you know, what RuPaul says, there are some people who are too pure to be born into this world. 
And I just think, like, it's just so scary to watch because I truly do think that there are some of us who arrive here, like, ready to, just ready to be (laughs) part of it. And, you know, obviously, uh, Johnny Depp is a mutable sign. He's a Gemini. So the movie is very Gemini. The movie is very much about this kind of, this mutability and this innocence and this impressionability, this this being impressionable to, to the environment around you and not understanding that you're kind of being manipulated. Not understanding that there's a bigger picture. Oh, so upsetting. You know, though, this is what I want to say, and this is something that's been that I'm really trying to wreck you know, reckon with. I haven't been able to read fiction since I started recovery. That that escape into my inner world has ceased, which is hard because I really miss fiction and I really miss literature and like I'm I'm a voracious reader and it's it's just changed. And you know, now that I'm watching movies too, I see myself as Edward Scissorhands and I see myself as that kind of innocent victim and I can't, that's not really right either. You know, that's another thing that recovery is kind of challenging, which is, you know, I'm not, I am still a part of a larger human sequence, uh, as we all are. As anyone who wears clothes or eats food, clothes which are made in sweatshops, food which is made by um, um, oppressed people. So, and, you know, in our family systems, yes, I have been subject to victimization, and oppression, but where does that leave me now at age 31? So it just makes me question the idea of protagonism and just like of relating. But I suppose, you know, my issue, I'm not addicted to substances. I'm addicted to fantasy and I'm addicted to alternate worlds. And I think I'm addicted to alternate worlds where I am that protagonist. So maybe it's not an issue with the medium or with me even consuming the medium. It's, it's an issue with the how and the accountability of it. Scary. Um, okay. I do want to say, though, again, I've been sick, so what movie did I watch? Last time I was sick, and by last time I mean a month ago. Hello, welcome to the endless suffering of my traumatized body and nervous system. Um, last month I did my go-to. Hello, Bridget Jones Diary. So this month I pulled out uh, The Big Guns. Under the Tuscan Sun. I'm realizing there's a lot of people out there who have not seen Under the Tuscan Sun. And I just want to say, like, you know, I I am not loaning you my, my copy of the DVD because I know I won't get it back. But, like, you know, uh, do what you need to do. Find, uh, find support where you can get it. Um, obviously, people know Diane Lane is known for Unfaithful. Diane Lane's known for a lot of things. But... Under the Tuscan Sun is very important. Also, Sandra Oh in Under the Tuscan Sun. Hello. Okay. Sandra Oh going from Princess Diary. This is Gupta. Mm-hmm. 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 The Queen is coming to Under the Tuscan Sun. She does great work. Very spiritual film. Very Buddhist film. Very If You Build It, They Will Come. Uh, Under the Tuscan Sun naturally does fall into the uh, the kind of the, the cycle of 
Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again, which, you know, if you've listened to this podcast, you know I consider one of the greatest films of time. And Eat, Pray, Love, which, if it's on, I will watch it. If it's on a plane, I will watch it. That does not mean it's good. Under the Tuscan Sun is really the best version because it is... I don't know. It's the stakes are different. The consequent it's more real, I think, and it's a little less indulgent and like fuck. Diane Lane is so powerful. Okay. Also, I want to say the Diane Lane's character in Under the Tuscan Sun, which they make fun of in Spy, another one of my all-time favorite movies with Melissa McCarthy, her her character's name is Frances Mays. The the the, <laughs> the literary critic Francis Mays. I just love that. Okay, um, but yes, that's a good movie to watch when you're sick because it's all about like the Catherine character is all about just like stop wallowing and like start enjoying life. It's a very Melissa Rich character. I'll say that. Okay, um, I am at the point where if I see a picture of a golden retriever, I'm getting emotional now. If I see a picture of a golden retriever, I will start crying. I am literally, do you, do you see what's going on with me? I'm what I just finished. I don't even know if there's more episodes, but I am caught up with the second season of everything's going to be okay. Which as we all know is the free from free, sorry, free from is the nonprofit, which (laughs) the luminaries actively supports, which seeks to uh, restore, um, economic justice to survivors of domestic violence free form is the channel formerly known as fox family formerly known as abc family okay everything's going to be okay is josh thomas's show on Freeform, uh which you know he did please like me which was formative and he it's it's now this show you know which is about um w- which features uh him uh, at Adam Faison, who I want to be my boyfriend. Kayla Cromer, who's incredible. Uh, anyways, on that show, Kayla Cromer, uh, the actress and the character are both on the spectrum. Her girlfriend, Drea, who's also on the spectrum, who, by the way, I think that actress is incredible. She has an emotional service dog who's a golden retriever who's with her in every scene called Duke. I literally cannot look at that dog. I can't, do you hear me? I cannot talk about that dog. Ive. Oh my god. Okay. It's just like, it's too much. Um, and by the way, you know my fantasy 2022, I am getting a dog, but, and it will be from, you know, a rescue. I don't care what breed. I, I truly, whoever shows up, I will love they, them. But there is something about golden retrievers where it's like, okay, you just want to love. Okay. I can't, I can't do this. Um, but I do want to say that Everything's going to be okay. I just want to look up the name of the other actress. Maeve Press, who plays Genevieve, who's excellent, by the way. Um, Maeve Press is, oh God, she's so, she's so tiny. She's only 17. What I love about the show is that the, the teenage characters look like teenagers. They look like how I looked as a teenager. They don't look like the cast of One Tree Hill. Ugh, Adam Faison, gorgeous. Okay, they have an episode where Maeve Press's character Genevieve goes on a first date. And it's, like, very sweet. It's very, like, 
it's very innocent and I don't know it I'm glad I saw it because I since that horrible sex party experience I decided that I'm really like ready to I'm trying to open myself up to you know whatever the Orishas want or whatever and I don't know I just realized I think there was a part of me that would would have believed in that form of like a romantic date uh especially like when I was 18 and living in Tel Aviv but I was so nervous and I was so out of my body that it was almost like I was playing through a cinematic version of them but I didn't actually and I felt the all of it but I was also feeling so many other things that I didn't understand and that I couldn't have understood until even now that weren't really my own issues that come from you know abuse violation and stuff but um I really haven't had that in a few years um and I do believe I can I actually do believe I'm in it to win it I just you know, I keep thinking of that line in Call Me By Your Name where they say, like, by the time you're 30, you'll be emotionally bankrupt. And I'm just like, okay, 31. And, you know, have only been having anonymous sex for the last year and a half. But I am in it to win it, and I am not giving up. Um, Jesus, re-speech this summer is going to be a fucking freak show. Okay. Um, on that spectrum, I did watch My Beautiful Laundrette. My Beautiful Laundrette. What year is that from? Uh, so, you know, Daniel Day Doris. Uh, Daniel Day Torres. Daniel Day Lewis. Shares my mother's birthday. April 29th. What year is this from? 1986. My Beautiful Laundrette is not a good movie. Um, but it is major because it features uh, Daniel Day Lewis as like... Uh, rough and tumble kind of skinhead and uh, Gordon Warnecke as his like beautiful laundrette lover um, and they have like a very very pure and beautiful and kind of like stunning uh, romance that I actually think should have been more of the movie a lot of the movie is just kind of bullshit but like when you watch that movie you're like okay I get Daniel Day-Lewis I get why he is who he is He's hot. It works. Like, what's done is done. Um, there, you know, there, but like, it's a pure love story, and we get even more than we would get out of something like Talented Mr. Ripley, which doesn't show kissing. This, and I'm not talking about kissing between Matt Damon and, and um, Jude Law. I'm talking about when Matt Damon is fully in that, you know, when he's in the relationship with what's his name. But, my Beautiful Laundrette, I can't, I don't know if it's worth watching, but it was very sweet. Um, I wouldn't say if we, I think like trick, beautiful thing, I would put above My Beautiful Laundrette, but I appreciate it. Okay. Um, sorry, I cannot believe we haven't even gotten to the piece de resistance. Um, this is a huge episode because then you haven't even gotten to me and Ruby yet, but... I watched, thanks to the generous uh, help of Greg Kozatek, uh, listener, producer, partner, uh, angel, stabilizing force, healer, chariot, champion, uh, I was able, through Showtime On Demand, to watch the Oasis documentary from 2016. 
You are thinking, Oasis, didn't they do Wonderwall? Yes, they also did Champagne Supernova, uh, Columbia, What's the Story, Morning Glory, uh, Cast No Shadow, uh, you know, a lot. Okay, this is, let me just explain some things. One of my all-time favorite shows is My Mad Fat Diary, the British show, uh, which is about an obese teen girl uh, in 1995 in Lincolnshire, uh, who is like discovering her her sexuality and boys and Radiohead and Oasis. That show is available for streaming, but classically Hulu did not want to pay for all of the music rights, so the only good way to watch it is illegally. Anyways, that's one of my all-time favorite shows, and it's such a good show that there's an episode about them going to see oasis perform at nebworth which is one of like the biggest concerts in in british history and i truly felt like i was there as we all know melissa rich and i somehow in a <laughs> in some deal of reincarnation were british um rave punks in the 90s and we were there anyways the documentary not as good as the Bee Gees documentary, but it covers that period between the formation of Oasis and the Nebworth show. I wished it had gotten more into perspective the way that the Bee Gees did one did. Like I wish they had covered what is what about the rise of garbage and prodigy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Okay, regardless, incredible documentary. Obviously, I am Noel Gallagher, and I want to be Liam. Noel is the Buffy, Liam is the Faith. Um, I just think like they're probably the last era when cool when anyone was ever cool. We just watching that documentary, you're like, oh, I forgot what the world was like before Twee took over and killed us all, and just like everything became um, offbeat Twitter observations and indie twee shit watching the this documentary you're like oh right liam and noel gallagher were actually cool like they were actually not giving a fuck and you're a loser um i highly recommend the documentary i obviously love their music um yeah the movie is just so interesting too because And this is such a cliche, but there is no karma like the family you're born into. And watching this documentary where you're like, okay, Noel Gallagher, gorgeous voice, gorgeous face, and songwriter of the century, right? But Liam Gallagher, the voice of a, truly the voice of a generation, born in, born together could not have attained what they attained without each other. Um, it's truly like, it, it's shocking. And then destined to be in conflict. They don't have a relationship now. They haven't had one for years. Destined to be in conflict. And it's just like, how does that work? You know? It's just so crazy, like, where we get sent. <laughs> I'm sure I have more to say about that that's like more interesting but it's just like watching that documentary you're like wow so there is like definitely a reason why we are born where we're born but like 
Fuck. Um, and, you know, you always think about RuPaul and his father, that sort of a thing. Um, Angelina Jolie and her father. Speaking of Gemini season. Okay. Happy Gemini season. <laughs> I mean, do your best. And thank you for listening. This is going to be a very good one. Mwah. So, you know, this is a huge treat for me because Michelle Pfeiffer is my number one. You're number one. Um, so, and I, I really do feel like, so I, the other thing, I, I, the reason, you know, there's a million reasons why it can only be you that I do this with, but I wanted to talk about actress astrology. Yeah. And Michelle Pfeiffer to me is like a true actress. She is. Like she's she not is. an actor director. No. Like she's an actress. She's an actress. Know? And she's also not, obviously she's a star. She's mm-hmm. like a huge star, but I don't consider her like, she's not as much of like an institution or an industry. Like she's not like Emma Stone, who's like, there are teams upon teams 100%. who manage Emma Stone. Michelle Pfeiffer to me is just like an old school workhorse, you know? Well, I would actually, I would sort of disagree with you in a little way, just in terms of, like, I think Michelle Pfeiffer, it's like, Michelle Pfeiffer, okay, you you got an actress, like Michelle Pfeiffer, raw talent, you know, she's raw talent, and Mm -hmm. I was looking at her career, and it was like, she was sort of inexperienced and had to sort of, like, stop auditioning for a minute to, like, learn how to act. Yes, never trained. Right, never trained. Um, and the thing about Michelle, so she's a raw talent, raw, 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 which you literally can see in her performances in terms of how insane her performances can be. She like, doesn't even know what she looks like, which is unbelievable. And on top of it, oh, right. She's the most beautiful person ever. Alive. Oh, to ever <laughs> like, live. I mean, like, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, okay. So it's like. To call her a workhorse is actually what she is, perhaps. However, and we'll get into it with the chart. I think Michelle Pfeiffer, and I remember when my mom, because my mom's, recently I asked my mother what her her top five movies are. Okay, okay. Or like we were at a dinner party and my friend Jake was like, played the game where we have to mention our top five movies which is actually a really interesting game yeah to pass the time as we reopen and everyone's a fucking psycho that's a really good game to sort of ease the tension of how to interact on like a small talk level again anyway she my mother said that batman returns is one of her favorite movies of all time and she showed me batman returns my mother did capricorn mother Capricorn, like, Scorpio, Venus. No, actually, Aquarius, Venus, Mars, Scorpio, Mother, which is Psychoody. I know. Okay. Raising a fucking Leo child. Like, okay. Obviously, okay. yeah, mommy issues, but whatever. What I'm saying is, she always said, you know what? Michelle Pfeiffer is so fucking underrated. I remember the thing, like, the day she said, like, she did not get the career she deserved. And it's true. She should be, she should be on par with every legendary grand dame actress because she is more talented and interesting than anyone to ever it's like the only the type of acting she is, wow, I'm really riffing here. But the type of acting she does is like 
a la mm. sorry I'm eating a carrot no it's weird for me because it's old it's it's at, the type of acting she does is at once old school and at once completely innovative she has the bizarre charisma of a Strasbourg, a classically Strasbourg trained actress like Marilyn Monroe or Shelley Winters in terms of like, yes. you're like, whoa, what's going on? Whoa, yes. what's going on with you? And you're seeing the psychosis go over their faces. Also, and then also similarly, another Strasbourg actress that I adore is Barbara Loden, who then was Ilya Kazan's mistress and then directed Wanda, which Sorry. was the first official independent film ever created. Okay. And she is like, she she's in Splendor in the Grass. She was in, um, anyway, she's in Time of Stuff. Whatever, I'm not going to list her credits. But what I'm saying is, you know what I mean? Like, Michelle Pfeiffer has that, that kinetic, psychotic, sexual very sexual energy that is so not honed in there's a wildness to her that's also what's so fascinating about dangerous liaisons because you're seeing glenn close that then goes on to be like and i'm obsessed with what you said at the kirsten dunce episode about how all the gays have to leave glenn close alone she doesn't want you and it's true it's like glenn close is like taught trained suspended she's like she knows when to release. She knows when to rein it in. She's like a classical actress, also in a way, like yes. in, a, in a very serious way. She's a classical. Yeah, when actress. she got got Dangerous Liaisons, she was like, "I've already read it." Like she's very yeah. much like knows the text, right? And way. it's like, and then Malkovich as like the the intermediary between these two, like Michelle Pfeiffer is completely wild, I find, and then Glenn Close is like this trained conservative almost actress and then you have John Malkovich and of course this is what happens with male actors that like they can be classically trained and then just be like insane monster like shapeshifters but um you know like Michelle Pfeiffer is like is a is in a league of one and it's like her league and it's in terms of like if Marilyn Monroe is still alive she would be there I think. Like, that's the... To be honest, Michelle Pfeiffer is only maybe slightly comparable to Marilyn Monroe. On that level of, like, what is she showing you? She's showing you her fucking interior Yeah, she's incandescent. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched... I was in a deep fugue yesterday, and I watched those, like, really upsetting YouTube compilations of, like, every Best Supporting Actress winner ever, every Best Actress winner ever. Mm. And you watch it and you're like, okay, Jodie Foster won two Oscars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not one, two. It's that, when I say that Michelle yeah. Fiverr is, like, a workhorse, what I mean to say is, like, it was decided by someone that Alicia Vikander would win an Oscar. You know? It was decided by someone mm. that Emma Stone would win an Oscar. And that they would also get, like, a Dior contract and, like, a a superhero movie. With Michelle Pfeiffer, she truly is just, like, goes from role to role and, like, just embodies. And Mm -hmm. it isn't as... She, like... I don't think she's, like, as much of a a chess piece to be played. And, you know, it's Mm -hmm. interesting when you say in terms of comparability, what's 
so interesting about The Witches of Eastwick, which, mm. for the record, is not a good movie. It's a total mess. And it's actually, like, I actually do think the movie itself is cursed and demonic. Mm. And the last time I watched it, I threw the DVD out because I was like, I don't want this in my home. Really? There's something really wrong about it. But Damn. she and Cher and Susan Sarandon, I do think... Each of them can do that thing. A hundred percent. Like Cher can do that thing. Oh, Cher can Where do Cher's that thing. just like, I'm Cher, you know? I mean, I think, yeah, of course, Cher is always doing I'm Cher. Also Cher Taurus, by oh. the way. Um, and I believe Susan Sarandon. I think she's a Libra. Want to see. Just really quick for fun. I'm, yeah, I think she's a Libra. For fun, we will see. Yeah, she's a Libra. Okay. Um... Wow, but very all ruled by Venus. Venus, yes, Venus incarnate, exactly. Um, but anyway, uh, no, the, the thing that Cher does. Okay, by the way, on record, Cher is one of the best actresses to ever exist. Okay, you Period. you once said, Period. and I think about this all the time, Period. that Cher was born to express herself. A hundred thousand percent, and she walks into every role. I could cry about it. I think. Cher is one of the most tremendous actresses that's ever lived. And I really do. I mean, like, if we're just talking about purely, purely mermaids and fucking Moonstruck, you're like, you're like, huh. You're like, the soul... Fuck, man. Yeah. She, all I have to say is Cher walks into a house and she exits and it's a <laughs> You know what I mean? She, she may, wow. It's, in, yeah. Really intense. I mean, Cher's an intensely brilliant actress. I, Michelle Pfeiffer is far darker and we can get into this about her okay. chart. I think also Michelle Pfeiffer is totally gothic. She's yes. such a goth. Yes. And she is so dark. She had what the beauty of and one of my favorite portrayals she's ever one the character she's ever done is she plays Frankie and Frankie and Johnny mm. on, in the diner under the moonlight or some shit. Mm. It's this insane insane cuz I've never seen each of uh, which is a Eastwood, by the way. Okay, that's okay. But <laughs> so and so you haven't seen Frankie and Johnny. Yeah. But um Frankie and Johnny is this working class love story of this waitress played by Michelle Pfeiffer? It was an on Broadway. It was on Broadway before it was a movie. Who, um, you know, is like a downtrodden. Re- you know, there's evidence that she was physically abused mm. by previous partners. She's evidently freaked out. She's single. She doesn't think that she's hot, but. She's Michelle Viper. You know, yeah. like, whatever. And uh, in comes Johnny, ex-con, or ex-convict, uh, Al Pacino, to work at her diner. The hottest and, film ever made already. Hottest film ever I can't wait. made, I can't wait. by the way. He comes in as a line cook at the fucking diner she's working at in Midtown. And he's like, he starts basically harassing her for really putting on her fucking 2021 lenses or whatever. And is like, please, date me, date me, date me, date me. And she's like, no, 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 and whatever. She eventually surrenders. Fill in the fucking (laughs) rest. Okay, whatever. All I'm saying is, it's a fucking unbelievable movie. I think it's a 
I think it's uh, it was okay. It was on Broadway, and Kathy Bates played Frankie <laughs> in the Broadway because she was supposed to be like not really that attractive. Iconic, iconic. And okay. the fact and Kathy Bates was was crushed. It didn't translate, of course, to the screen because she's like, oh great, they got this fucking bimbo. And then. And then. See, and that's the that's thing the with Michelle. You think, oh, they hired the blonde girl. No, they didn't. That's the problem. No, they didn't. And that's actually going back all the way to Grease 2. Mm-hmm. Film debut, Grease 2. Film too. debut. Obviously, she was discovered working at Yvonne's grocery store. People who love Grease 2, women who <laughs> love Grease 2. I'm really thinking about like June Rayfield's relationship with Grease 2. Women who love Grease okay, 2. Okay, so what's the type of woman who loves Grease 2? I'll explain. Okay, okay. There's this interview about it with June Rayfield because it's like her favorite movie. And she said when she was a girl, all when she was a young girl, all she wanted to be was a teenager. That was her right. dream. Oh and when God. you watch Grease 2, you see Michelle Pfeiffer and you go, that's it? And not in a way of like, oh, I just want to be a hot blonde, but I want to be like that. Where Michelle Pfeiffer is embodied. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the Venus Mars Pisces. Where yes. It's like, yes. Oh, the ten thousand. My the 10, whole fantasy yeah. is is come alive right now. Where it's like, that's you. You know what I mean? Totally. And it's the same with Catwoman. Where it's like, Ugh, I yeah. actually love Anne Hathaway as Catwoman, but Michelle Pfeiffer it's incomparable. is you reading a comic book. In bed at night. I mean, I, and then, I'm getting chills. You know, I'm literally it full is, body chills. Yeah. It, it, it's just different. And Michelle Pfeiffer is also like, I'm sure Kathy Bates was also like, oh, they're bringing in some ingenue. To me, Michelle Pfeiffer was never really An a girl. Ingenue, no. She's always just been fully woman, which is See, another I, difference. For oh, me. I okay. disagree. Interesting. Okay. okay. Because she has. Okay. So, yeah, let's get into okay, it. let's get into it. So, Michelle Pfeiffer is a Taurus in. Taurus Sun in the 12th house. And uh, listeners will remember, 12th house, if we think about uh, previously, like we did Aaliyah, we talk about David Bowie, the 12th house is that last house in the chart. So the 12th house is kind of this very private, closed off, like the studio, the dark room. But it's also, <clears throat> it's also, 12th house is like uh, ruled by the 12th the zodiac sign, Pisces. Yes. So it's yes. also the cosmic energy. It's the nether space. And because it's the nether space between life and death, it's also self-undoing. Okay. Okay. So we have this incredibly Venus-ruled girl at the top. We're hitting it with the top with a bubbly personality that is Gemini, the teenager of the Zodiac. Yes. You present as the teenager. Okay, good, the, good, good. That's The fine. ingenue, the bubblegum pop. Then you're literally entering a dark vortex of feminine... Right. On uh, Of feminine traps and foils. It is like... And that's why I think like... She does possess, she possesses the entire story of being a woman from childhood to, but she, because I can imagine Michelle Pfeiffer being innocent because mm-hmm. she always plays an innocent person that had to take the blade into her yes, hand. Yes. And right. that's the Taurus in 12th house, the young feminine creature 
Taurus that's in the 12th fucking house of darkness and so much energy is being inundated onto her that she has to defend herself. And that's like, Mm. and that's her real raw shock. I mean, I think Mm. there is always like in her eyes, in Michelle Pfeiffer's eyes, there is always the question like in every single like even in Scarface definitely in Scarface where it's like you can see her characters are always trying to figure out when they have to defend themselves when they have to go rogue but they enter with so much beauty so much it's 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 the she is like the fallen icon of femininity in that way that i mean i want to look at marilyn monroe's chart marilyn monroe is in a different way in a Both more mars and pisces oh really yes bombshell placement obviously mars and pisces bombshell placement damn right right but yeah, no yeah, no I, you know what i love about she has pisces in the 10th house of career and public role mm. and she has venus and mars there right that venus rules taurus in the 12th house right and if you think about the 10th house the career ruler ruling that 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 dark bastion yes there's this aspect of um i'm gonna look into your subconscious yes and pull out your fantasy because oh, we think of the 10th house the 10th house ruler ruling the 12th house with careers you think oh you know what if you go into a business meeting you know what they want before they know and her because it's the cinematic lens of pisces it's like yeah it's catwoman but it's also actually not, not catwoman, catwoman at yeah. all and it's totally this other it's thing channeling. about yeah, it's completely it's channeling, channeling which i always who's think ever pisces. watched it yeah it's pure pisces yeah, yeah, of yeah. like Okay, something else is really coming through. Yeah, 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 yeah. She, I love that she has, so her Neptune is in Scorpio in the fifth house. Um, yes, and yeah. her Jupiter also, I find interesting, is in Libra in the fifth house. So it's like yeah. luck with pleasure, luck. Because then there's also rumors that she was an escort. <laughs> Do we have to, like, add that No, out? I didn't know that. Um tell me <laughs> there yeah anyway i don't know i just feel like that jupiter fifth house libra is sort of like it's actually a lighter placement with that jupiter in the fifth house and libra i think i mean what do you i think? love or it because it rules the her seventh house of intimate partnerships and it rules pisces in the 10th house of career so to me it just speaks to like she is, and this is very yeah. actressy too, where it's like, she is truly the star, but she has to be heralded. Like, she she has to have a Tim Burton or a Martin Scorsese or, like, whatever to, like, bring her, or a George Miller to, like, wheel her in. Mm. She'll do, she, she works well in some sort of, like, a partnership or a duality, I think. Yes, but yes, like, yes. But, like, I think there is a... With the Gemini rising and then with all of that focus on that Libra, it's like, I don't, again, she is not, like, I don't think she's the one who's, like, she is very discerning, she's very selective, she's the one who, like, fought for Catwoman, but at the same time, I don't think she's, like, playing the Hollywood game, 
No. And I think she's she really does need someone like Tim Burton to be like, I celebrate you here, you know? Interesting. I don't know. Maybe that's just the way I see it. Well, then it's also in opposition to her Jupiter's in opposition to her Mercury in Aries in the 11th house, which I also think is pretty... Also, again, just on an actress level, the psychology and the work of an actress, Mercury in Aries is direct communication to the 11th house masses. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's raw. That's raw communication. That's baby. That's that's out of right out of from the death portal into the life portal Mercury sign. You know, that's direct in direct opposition to Jupiter now that I'm looking at Jupiter in fifth house in Libra is a direct opposition to refinery. Mm. It's luck and opportunity in the refined aspects Thank of life. That's I, I think that. that's what that is. And then it's it's these this intense pull being drawn through her chart of this raw like this raw Aries Mercury. Which is interesting, too, just because that Mercury rules her first house of intrinsic selfhood and mm. her fourth house of kind of home and roots and, like, yeah, safety. Yeah, yeah. And I do think, and this really speaks to her 12th house son, like, she hates publicity. She hates yes, interviews. She, yes. she is not Gwyneth Paltrow. Like, she can't do that. Um, and there's just this aspect of, like, I don't know, that Mercury in, in the 11th house being, like, a little bit embattled Mm. um you know the mercury rules her chart so we know that she is meant to be like her her it's in aries like her body is meant to be she as this singular image is meant to be kind of like adorned and and beloved yeah but then there's just this aspect where it's in aries so it is so individualistic and when it comes to like her fitting into the larger system or playing the game, Mm. I think that's where we get these limits, which is like, Mm. I can be a direct Mercury and Aries. I can deliver these lines like no one else. I can like be the script. But I think when it comes into this, it's interesting because I think about like the Libra opposition. Libra is so good at like social climbing and working the system. And the Libra is like... But it's also in that fifth house though with of of entertainment, glitz. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's really nice. Yeah. And I also think, too, also that's another major opposition in her chart is uh, her son in the 12th house opposing her Neptune yeah. in the 5th. So anything typically that Neptune is in, her, is in opposition of, it dissolves. It's a dissolving quality. So because right. Neptune, you know, houses the unconscious, the poetic realm it engulfs anything it is near, right? So, especially in an opposition. It's a direct, mm. like, I always think, like, an opposition with Neptune is, like, the port- The portal is dissolving, whatever it's all, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's, like, her 12, 12- she is so inundated, actually, with, typically, a Neptune opposition sun is always insecurity. That's always what well, it is. Well, especially the sun self. is, the sun is really, like, hidden yeah in exactly house. exactly the tw- a, a 12th house sun is already a diffuse sense of exactly. self exactly and then it's like equally diffuse <laughs> which <laughs> with is that neptune opposition i mean like that's hard well it's very actress astrology very, too yeah, of like yeah. a gemini rising who it's very like oh i need a role to gain self-definition yeah and fragmented self too or it can yeah. be fragmented self i think with that gemini rising so it's like her true self is this 
deep water of complicated feeling being dissolved by just yeah it's almost a lack of identity I feel like and then leaning in on this Gemini persona with an ascendant which ascendant I always think is persona in yeah. a way yeah yeah I mean I'm I'm just thinking about like how she did a stupid interview this year where they were like Michelle do you still have your whip from Batman Returns and she literally like walked to the closet and pulled it out and it's like yeah because like her roles are her yeah in like a real way and not in the same like businessy way like no. she is an actress in that way and it's interesting because the sun rules Leo in her third house of self-expression. Mm. So there is just this aspect of like... And her Uranus is in Leo. Right, in that yeah, T-square yeah, with yeah, that, yeah. that Neptune yeah. and that sun. So yeah. there's just an aspect to me <sighs> of like girl. searching for individuality and maybe never fully fitting no. in a role. Right. Um, I also think... I also think it's like um, whatever has come naturally. This is also like the Meryl Monroe aspect of it to me. I just think that there is also like her Venus's opposition, her moon. Like her oppositions, she has some like easier trines, but those T-squares are like, like whatever she has has not been easy. There has been no... It's always clawing. I think she's always clawed. I think she is always clawed, personally. Yeah, I just think that Uranus, which is the planet of like upheaval, yeah, um, is in that in Leo in that third house of self-expression, and there's just this aspect of and also pride too. Mm. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah, to me, there's just this aspect of, like, she has had these definitive roles, but there is, like, a lack of, um, especially because Uranus is ruling that ninth house, which mm. I so associate with, like, institutions. Yeah. There yeah. is, like, a lack of definition, mm. and that is why, I mean, this is what I hate about the, the media cycle we live in, which is, mm. like, she does a movie every year. And every year there's a story about, like, is this Michelle Pfeiffer's big comeback? Is she going to finally get nominated? And, of course, she never does. She hates doing those interviews because her son is in the 12th house. And there's just this, like, it's there's this inability for something to stick. Mm. Where she has done mm. She has had such, and this is the Gemini Rising, incredible versatility. Yes. Huge. Yeah. But, like... She's not able to, like, Glenn Close, I think, can pump a certain kind of thing out. By the way, Glenn Close doesn't have any Oscars either. But Glenn Is that Close, true? Or maybe she does. I don't she, think she absolutely does. does. No, she Let doesn't. Isn't this why gay people, like, terrorize her? But <laughs> yeah. Glenn Close can pump out a kind of shit. I think Michelle Pfeiffer, there's just this sense of, like, that Uranus and Leo is like, okay, is this it? Have I found it? No. Okay, better luck next year, you know? Okay, but this is the thing. She's won three Emmys, Glenn Close. She's won three Emmys, three Tonys, three Golden Globes. Right. And then has been nominated eight times without a win. Tied with Peter O'Toole. So, and meanwhile, our girl, Michelle... Has I think she's just, nominated once, right? 
No, she was nominated three times for an Oscar, never oh. won. And then the only one she's ever had. She only has one award, you guys. What is it? Golden Globe. For see. Age of Innocence? Oh, God. I oh, no, that. it's Fabulous Baker Boys, probably. Let me see. Which is also... Her accolades slim. include... Oh, she has a BAFTA. That's her. <sighs> I think... I mean, I'm aiming for a BAFTA, ladies uh, and gentlemen. Obviously. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> would die for a fucking BAFTA. Her accolades include a Golden Globe Award, a BAFTA, and nominations for three Academy Awards and one Primetime Emmy Award. So she just has one Golden Globe and one BAFTA. Wah, wah. Right. What I mean to say is, like, <laughs> I mean... Glenn has been nominated eight times because Glenn is like, I can lock into this thing that, that like, works for the system. Michelle, I feel like each role is so, like, new, but there's no cohesion, you know? Also, I want to talk about the fact that her... Okay, so Michelle Pfeiffer is, like, in Greece too, <laughs> in 1982. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Okay. Pluto at that point is in Libra. So it's transiting literally her Jupiter. Which position. is also perfect because Greece too is so Pluto and Libra, which is like Libra, <laughs> which is like the harmonic traditional family structure. Totally, totally. And then you're watching Greece too, which is this like sexy retelling of nostalgia, but like with a dark edge. Right. Great. Okay, sorry, continue. At this time, she's married to this man who's an actor and director. We love him. He played Gary Shepard on the television series 30-something. <laughs> Peter Horton. And if you see him, you know him. He's very... You've okay. seen this guy. Looking. He is a Virgo. Hot. So, this is her first relationship she marries him at 22. Oh, adore him. Mm -hmm. Okay, absolutely adore him, yeah. And um, they're hot together, honey. Yeah. It's a hot couple. And she's like, she gets Scarface after Grease 2. We're still in Pluto. We're still in that <laughs> Pluto, Libra. And then... In her fifth house of creativity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love Okay, that. then... 1988 rolls around. Pluto rapidly shifts into motherfucking Scorpio, bitch. And, and you and I are soon, are born soon after. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so I also think this is why us Pluto Scorpios so oh, yeah. vibrate yeah. to Michelle, is that she was born for us to tell our unspeakable truths, essentially. 1988 rolls around. She gets... A part in Dangerous Liaisons, which then sparks a very visible. If you don't, if you have seen this movie, she has Dangerous Liaisons. She has an affair with John Malkovich's character. Um, oh my God! Why am I spacing on his name? It's such a class. Belmont. Belmont. Okay. Um, it's okay. I only know that. Belmont. Belmont. Yes, Belmont. 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 And um, um, Valmont seduces Michelle Pfeiffer's character, and you watch this movie, and the first time I saw it, oh my god, the first time I saw it, I was staying at my friend Arabella's house on the Upper West Side in her, like, old money apartment across the street from a, the cathedral. I was pregnant at the time. <laughs> I'll, wait, I'll wait for this. <laughs> 
I'll do okay. some I'll do some Taurus 12th house stuff. I was pregnant at the time and recovering or I was like awaiting my surgical abortion. <laughs> and my beloved fantasy maker friend Arabella beyond beyond, beyond best dressed woman in the world like, possibly I'm like in her 19th you know 19th century apartment that is like she's very like, old money could style any Neil Gaiman out yes 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 yeah. and she like puts me in like this like <laughs> gown and like tucks me in because she knows like I'm prepping for my abortion and she's like well I have to go to work but like you can stay here I'm like in college I don't have a job you know it's like I'm just a nightmare <laughs> And then she's like, I have to go to work, but, like, here is my iPad. <laughs> mm. And you're going to watch the most beautiful movie of all time. And I was like, what is it? And she's like, dangerously liaisons, bitch. And I'm, like, in this, like, gown that I look like. I'm I, it, I'm in a place that looks like dangerously liaisons, basically. Right, you look like you're in the, like, consumption ward where Michelle Pfeiffer dies. Yeah. Totally. I also sort of, like... You know, I'm nubile. I'm a little Uma Thurmany in yes, yes, the yes, bed yes, with yes, yes. John Malkovich. Yes. But anyway. Okay, so I'm watching this movie, and it's, like, the hottest. There's few hotter movies, it's, actually. Yeah. It's to die. <laughs> and you're, like, John Malkovich is the hottest man to ever exist. And, like, if you also, this is totally unrelated to astrology, and I am going to shame a motherfucker right now. If you don't think John Malkovich is hot. Well, I just want to give everyone a little context. (laughs) This period of time, John Malkovich stars in Dangerous Liaisons, Mm. in which Michelle Pfeiffer's character is so enamored by him that when he spurns her, she dies. Yes. Two, Annie Mm. Lennox then casts him to be in the Walking on Broken Glass video. My favorite video of all time. Just time. dangerous liaisons all over again, yes. but because Annie Lennox wanted to be in the fantasy. Right. And then what's the third one? Oh, Portrait of a Lady. Nicole Kidman is getting seduced by Vico Mortensen. She doesn't want to touch him. John Malkovich walks in. It's all over. Yeah, okay? yeah, yeah. So John Malkovich in the early 90s was like period piece, <laughs> like, um, <laughs> you know, slice. Okay. Sorry, you were okay. talking about your encounter okay. with uh, with I'm, Dangerous Liaison. Okay, Dangerous Liaison. He has a very interesting chart. Okay, anyway, so I pulled up his chart. I too. do think I. By the way, Swoozie Kurtz has is in both Dangerous Liaisons and Cruel Intentions, and I just want oh, to shout yes. out. Oh yes, Swoozie, I love Swoozie. <laughs> I was watching. I was watching an abortion film last night. Citizen. Citizen Ruth. Ruth. She and Mary Kay Place, right? Unbelievable. Baby killing murderer. It's unbelievable. So good. Yeah. God. And I'm not a Laura Dern fan. I'm not. Okay. At me. And she she killed that role. That Sorry. is like she, true. She, I honestly think that is her best role. <laughs> I'm gonna say it's her best role. Okay, anyway. Okay. But okay, so yeah, in my abortion layer, in my beautiful abortion layer, yeah. my beloved friend had given me. In the me, consumption word. In word. the consumption word, I was watching Dangerous Liaisons and was like on fire. On fire. Like my <laughs> whole body was on fire. And I was like, what the fuck? And I was like, one of these moments where it was like, who's the director? Is the director? Like, why is this the hottest thing ever yeah. made? And it's like, oh, then you look it up and it's like, oh, they were in love. And I had no uh, idea. I'm telling you this for the first I time. I had no idea. Okay. 
<laughs> That's why I looked up John Malkovich. Thank you. Oh okay. God. Oh my God. I'm at. Oh my Which God. Which is so hot. Because you, she's like, uh, I want you. And she leaves her husband. He leaves okay. his wife after <sighs> Dangerous Liaisons, and they have like this insane love affair that started on the set of fucking dangerous liaisons as pluto moves into scorpio oh yeah and then completely in opposition to her 12th house son son yes in the sixth house of body of work and it's the dark work, the sex, death, magical work. Then, pi- and you know, the twelfth house, of course, rules clandestine affairs. So when we're having Pluto in Scorpio opposing that sun in the twelfth house, yeah, no better time than the present to have like a clandestine affair. You know? Oh my god! It's very oh notes my on god! A scandal. Very yeah. notes on a scandal. Yeah. Wait, so I'm gonna just say, see how? So they had you guys. If you <laughs> okay, literally okay. You guys, okay, they just, there was just a new article about this insane Where affair. have I been? I don't know. Because David E. Kelly, it's like snooze. Um, okay, but I have so much to think of. Say, okay, the okay. affair that's hard to believe. This is like, to me, Whoopi Goldberg, Ted Danson level. Uh, yeah. Okay, so this is a quote from the things. Doggone, don't know what that means. For John Malkovich, his affair with Michelle Pfeiffer is now almost like a blurred memory. It might have ended his marriage with Glean Headley, but it didn't last long after it began. So they both left their respective partners for each other. It's hard to believe Michelle Pfeiffer ever said hello to me, John told Rolling Stone in 2008. It was an honest moment from the famous celebrity, to be sure. Not that she's not memorable, God knows, but I sort of blocked it out. (sighs) What I'm trying to say is when I think of the other person, I don't think of me as being involved with them. They're incorrupted by me, as if they were never troubled by my existence. Whoa. Okay, I have a lot to say. It seems like an intense, emotional-filled affair. No wonder it faded so quickly how it ended. Nobody knows how the affair really ended. Michelle never spoke about it in public. Also, John's divorce with his ex-wife seemed like a mutual decision that stemmed from bigger issues prior to the fling. It always does. It is. It wasn't as messy as those explosive celebrity blah, 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 blah. Okay. John didn't pursue Michelle until after the divorce, though. John and Michelle ended up with off-screen partners. So... Michelle had been married... Okay. Wow. I mean, what I want to say to start is like, you know, I'm a Mars in Pisces and like we've talked about this a lot on this podcast, but like Carrie Fisher, Marilyn Monroe, Elizabeth Taylor. You're a Mars in Pisces. Yeah. That makes sense. And Dexter said, you know, that's the bombshell placement, which is Pisces is this like fantasy. Yeah. And when you have Mars, she has Mars and Venus in Pisces, which is like, she is... Venus and furs, like truly descended from the heavens. But yes, that that elusivity, that mystery, and that, oh, we had an affair. We left our spouses for each other, but I don't know her. Yeah. It's so real. And then with mm. that with that Virgo moon and that Taurus sun in the twelfth house, it's like I mean, Virgo is obviously the Sphinx, but there's just this sense of like she, in her own way, is kind of in control 
um, and her experience is like not for you. Right. There's something about that that twelfth house sun, which is like she's perceiving the world from her own shadow realm. Right. And like whatever John gets out of it is more in the Pisces, which totally. is like he gets the fantasy and he gets that sixth house Scorpio, which is like. The rapture, totally. the body, the, the body, passion. exactly the rapture and the body. But then simultaneously, while Pluto is transiting her sixth house, she also steps up into these insane. It's when Frankie and Johnny, right? She shoots Frankie and Johnny. Fetus it's when boys. she, um, right. yes, yeah. uh, obviously, then Batman. That's when Batman Returns is filmed in '92. <sighs> Age of Innocence. That's when she gets into Dangerous Minds. She oh, gets right. God. Oh my god. Let me see. Let's style iconic, most iconic style movies. Dangerous Minds. And then, uh, then oh, that's so interesting. And then Pisces. And then Pluto moves into Sagittarius, and like she literally gets the Prince of Egypt. So, <laughs> so like, prove like, my motherfucking point, bitch. Prince of Egypt, white oleander. So you're saying that when Pluto is in this sixth house of, of, yes. of the body and work, and when it's in Scorpio, which is this, like, jacked up death Sex. truth. Yeah. Well, Plutonian, mm. the rage of sex and death in the underworld. You get Age of Innocence. Fuck. You get... Dangerous liaisons, you get Batman Returns, you get her body is literally on the motherfucking line. And, like, you get the goth renaissance that we all love and admire of her. That is the goth renaissance of Michelle Pfeiffer. And yeah. it is literally when Pluto is transiting Scorpio. And then we literally move in. I li- and it literally, it's, it's, it's literally night and day, and then it literally goes to, like, well, one fine day... The Prince of Egypt. White Oleander. And White Oleander. It literally yeah. is that. It, it, oh, oh, but she's in Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh, When wow. Pluto moves into Sagittarius. I mean, this you can't make this up, folks. Pluto and Sagittarius is motherfucking Midsummer Night's you Dream. You know, what's interesting. I mean, that's insane. What I love about that is, I mean, I always say this, and I want your thoughts on mm. this. Like, I think of the Pluto and Scorpio generation as the generation that deals with gaslighting. Right. Well, it deals with the truth. It's uh, it's exposing the truth. And I was saying this in a reading today when I was doing a reading okay. that the Pluto and Scorpio generation often overexposes the issues around sex and death. It's the overexposure. Hence the Me Too. Hence the right. wokeness in terms of like it was necessary. Right. But it's it's a since Pluto belongs in that Scorpio, it's so generative. It's so intense that it's like. Our generation is just like, ah! like just, yeah. we have to get all of it out. And if we think bleed about bleed all of it out, I mean, and the if the fact that Gen Z is fucking Pluto and Sagittarius, which makes sense because they're like obviously over idealistic. They they like you know everything is a cause. Yeah, it's it's way more like the Emma Gonzalez thing is yes, very is bad. Way, yes, our generation, I think it's much more about like abuse and power and mm-hmm. lies. Abuse and, and power and lies. If you think about Dangerous Liaisons, Age of Innocence, and Catwoman. All about that. That's what is on. Yes. And that's why, like, she's my. Like, Catwoman, it's not about Catwoman. No. It's about, like, the violation. 
and the return. Yeah, and, and this, the phoenix like, rising, exactly. which is Scorpio. Scorpio is the phoenix. Ex- yeah, Scorpio Ooh. is literally the phoenix. Fuck. Yeah. And then, you know, what's amazing about Age of Innocence for mm. me is, like, mm. Age of Innocence, Her whole the point of her character is that she is the one who knows this whole social order is Well, bullshit. she's also sullied. Her she's character, sullied. yes. She's, like, right, she's sullied. Yeah. And then, but when Daniel Day-Lewis, who has the same birthday as her mm. uh, in real life, hot, when Daniel Day-Lewis says, like, he starts indulging this fantasy where he could be a maverick, he could be an outlaw, yeah. he and her could be together. She knows he's not going to go for it. She knows. Yes. You know, there's this aspect of like, oh, I've been exiled. Yes. I've been Lilith. You're not coming. And, you know, there's that incredible, my favorite part of Age of Innocence where he's like, you know, to love someone and not be able to have them, how can I endure this? Ugh. And she goes, I'm enduring it. Mm. Because oh it's, God, I don't have chills. I'm and crying. it's like, oh, that's very the Scorpio of just like, I've already lived this. Don't don't complain to me. And then when we go to, true. to Dangerous Liaisons, mm. it is <laughs> the most Scorpionic, which is I'm going to be manipulated mm-hmm. and abused mm-hmm. until I, I am so broken that I die. That I die. It is which, the sex and death narrative. It's right. Dangerous Liaisons, yes. Which, thank God, they changed up for Cruel Intentions. And like, that's not what Reese Witherspoon has put on this earth to deliver, thank God, and I think Cruel Intentions works for that. But, like, mm-hmm. Michelle Pfeiffer just perishes at the yeah. end of that movie. Yeah. But I think that's an... Imp- I mean, I've, I preferred... I literally prefer Dangerous Liaisons, which is complicated. No, 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 I love it. I think it's... Even though I love Cruel Intentions, don't get me wrong, I'm not a fucking lizard, but <laughs> <laughs> I have... I'm not cold-blooded here. Right. But, um... I do think Sarah Michelle Gellar is... Better than Glenn Close, Close. That absolutely, hundred percent, hundred percent. Honestly, you know, you know my feelings about Buffy. Obviously, yes. we're Buffy girls through and through. <laughs> I think Sarah Michelle Gellar's performance of Buffy is transcendent. Yes. Is Pulitzer Prize is Nobel Peace Award Nobel Peace, funny. <laughs> but I do think she, she's an actress in Cruel Intentions in a way that she isn't in Buffy. That, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. I, I get that. Mm-hmm. That is, like, I'm fine with that. I just think, like, Glenn Close is so... Glenn Close is incredible in Dangerous Liaisons, but she is so, like, Grand Gignol, like, so, so, so jacked up, like, She's Patty Lapone, She's a little Murderville, Patty in the best way. Yeah, she definitely got Sunset Boulevard from that role. <laughs> yeah, and, like... Or she's, like, even just very... Fatal attraction. Do you know what I mean? She's very fatal attraction. In terms of like, we don't talk about how fatal attraction. She's fully an Italian clown. It's <laughs> like, you know what I mean. Like no, that no, is no, not a Sharon Stone performance. No, no, no. no. There's like Jennifer <laughs> Jason Lee, Sharon Stone, and then Glenn. It's like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like right, we're like in Italy. Sarah Michelle Gellar yeah. cool intentions look. I'm obsessed subtle. with this sort of dragging Glenn Close all over the place. It's well, like sort of dangerous. I it like needs it. To happen. Okay. <laughs> so I do want to talk about with Michelle mortality. Okay. This is something that I think is bizarre with her, which is obviously Dangerous Liaison and Batman Returns. I mean, Batman Returns is all about death, rebirth, death, rebirth, mm. right? Then if we talk about Stardust, obviously she does the best, like, 
Uh, I love Stardust. I think she's genius in it. Stardust is amazing. Um, and so I've we have more of that, you know, theme of uh, battling age, fearing death. Yes. Then I just saw her new movie, which was terrible, which was French yes. Exit, which is all about like she's so old and she's gonna die soon, which is outrageous. And I don't know, it's just this weird thing in a, in a lot of her movies, which is like her being sixty three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's exactly. like okay, like okay, age, girl. death, and doom. Mm. And like I love, she's got a Venus Saturn square, which I think is amazing because like. Okay, great. We get to have this, like, Saturn is all about age. Venus is in her 10,000th career. So we're getting, you know, this archetypal battle is being played out about, like, age versus Mm. beauty, which Mm. I love. But there is just this weird thing that I think she does well with, like, the mortal battle. Yeah. And I don't know why it's, like, such a thing with her. And she just finished her second Saturn return. As well, right? Which not is when just, she, like, but like six years her perfume ago. Company. Okay, yeah. interesting. <laughs> but it's also when she was like in, mo- when she was shooting Mother. Fuck, I forgot about Mother. Yeah. Right. So that Saturn and Return would be like Bernie Madoff movie and Mother. Yeah. And yeah. Then Maleficent to Yeah. Mistress of Evil. Yeah. Yeah, but then also when Pi- when Pluto moved into Capricorn in two thousand eight, she then shoots Shuri. The Colette movie. Another movie about mortality. Yes. Because that movie ends, like, with that crazy suicide. Oh, I've never seen Shuri. I want to. My my grandmother loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Also, my grandmother, huge Pfeiffer fan. Because she she says the story. She tells the story. She speaks to the women. There is, like, the Hedy Lamarr thing there, where it's like, oh, you're just, like, you are. Oh, she's so Hattie You're Lamar. this smoky actress who, like, is for women. Yeah. Oh, God. Hattie Lamar. Oh, my God. No, Cherie also has a very brutal death at the end. And when I was watching French Exit, I was like, what is it with her? Of just, like, it's always leading to death. Always, always, always. And, I, I yeah, I don't know if that's in her chart or not. It definitely the is. The Saturn Venus, I think it definitely is there. Um, the Pluto Mars. The Pluto Mars is, opposition. The Pluto Mars opposition is really, really intense. And brutal. then her Mars. I mean, also again, like. I mean, again, that twelfth house. That the the okay. The, yeah, the, the Taurus twelfth house. house. I'm not trying to just like no. keep fucking banging this whole drum all this episode, but it's like. That's literally a woman in interdimensional time. Like, the stakes are life or death. That's with very the 12th David house. Bowie doing, like, the Dark Star album. 100%. It's very dark. It's very dark. And it's like, yeah. any part that David Bowie has, the stakes are always life and death. His whole mute. David Bowie as a son, 12th house, all of his questions. Yes. I mean, and I'm a huge. I mean, I would love to do a David Bowie episode. Yes. Did, have you done one? No. And I literally, of course, we watched Labyrinth for my birthday. So yeah, oh my god, me too. Uh, but you know, David Bowie's music—he's a Capricorn. It's it's all of his music is about remove loneliness, yeah. uh, isolation. But what underneath all of his songs? And I literally, you give me a David Bowie song, I will prove this to every fucking <laughs> one of his songs after Hunky Dory, basically, yeah. or starting with Hunky Dory, is his. All of his songs are about his relationship with God, 
and like what yeah. I can do for my God. And it is, and that yeah. I will die without the full expression. I will die if I do not do this correctly. And that is the stakes. With a son fucking in 12th house, the stakes are literally, not to quote David Bowie, but Lord, I kneel and offer you my word on a wing. I mean, that's what it is. And with also the, the Taurus, 12th house she is on bended knee serving the empress you know what i mean she is literally in service it is the stakes it's the stakes between life and death i think 100 percent. and that's her expressive position that's her son that's her expression which makes it hard because she has that and she has a virgo moon so i'm like, mm, in the fourth house that in the fourth house so that that and her Mercury's in the 11th house. So there's this aspect where she's like, okay, I'm ready to go. Like, I'm ready to deliver on the cross every time. Um, and I don't think it gets met. You know, mm. that's to me the tragedy, mm. which is like, she, t- to her, okay, Catwoman, I'm actually going to do like a gothic, mm. a gothic, like, exorcism. Mm-hmm. That is going to, like, unleash yes, yes. this primal Lilith femininity yes, into the yes, cultural consciousness. Yes, absolutely. That's hard, because when she doesn't have a Tim Burton or a Martin Scorsese to meet her... Yeah. She, because she's a Taurus, we were talking about this with Kirsten Dunst, she has this Virgo moon, which is very selective. She's not going to do a lot of bad movies, so then her choices are much more limited. And I think that level of for an actress, an actress, not a producer, not a director, not a musician, an actress who needs a part, Mm. who needs a director Mm -hmm. to open the gate and just fucking embody. I think that's where it's hard because she's just like, okay, I'm ready. You know, mother, of course, is great because they're like, okay, we've got something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's really hard because she actually is about like, all right, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. You know? Yeah, it's an all or nothing thing. It's a truly right. all or and nothing And that's thing. also her Mars-Pluto opposition, which is like her Pluto and her moon are down there in her home life. And they're just like, right. okay, well, you can just like be happy as a mom if you're not going to have like the very best. Right. You know, that Mars-Pluto, right. I think, would go apoplectic if she were really trying to hustle. Oh, my God. Because um, she would just be like, this is bullshit. You know, where is it? Because I don't. She cannot do. She to me is a little bit more in like the Isabel Huppert school yeah, of she just is. like, all right, I'm gonna take a role and it's gonna be fucking balls out. Mm. She can't really do the Meryl Streep thing of like, all right, what are we doing this week? You know. She really cannot. She's a little more like in the Gina Gershon world of like, okay, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this all the way, you know? And what's interesting too is that also, again, back to this Pluto and Scorpio moment of her life when she, you know, yes, unleashes the Lilith into the consciousness. She also meets her long-term husband, David E. (laughs) Kelly, that offers her like the stability of the century <laughs> and but, the creator of West Wing, right? No. No. What is he doing? Ali McBeal and Big Little Lies, right? Yes. Yeah. Ali McBeal, 
Big Little Lies. But, Why wasn't she on Big Little Lies? But that Lies? to me is what's iconic what is the that frig? she is a Taurus and she's a Virgo moon and she's like, I am not giving up control. Like, she needs her mm. champions, but she's also like, I am. I think she does need to be. I think for her to rescind control, I mean, she has Saturn in her seventh house of intimate partnership. Yeah. I think there's, and it's in Sagittarius. Yes. There are some, like, limits yes. in terms of control. Right. Um, and in terms of, like, what a partnership is. Yes. That Virgo moon is in her fourth house. So to her, mm. family is a domain that she watches over and, like, keeps it really yes. tight. Yes. Her daughter's like, I am a carpool mom and this is my home life. And then when we go to the Pisces, which is like, you're my director, do whatever you want with me. Like, here, Close put off. my body yeah. on yeah, the yeah, crucifix. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That never the two shall meet. I think that's a big, big division for her, especially with that Mars-Pluto, which is like, the Mars-Pluto to me is like one or the other at right. all times. Right, Home or career. So I think working with someone like David E. Kelly, and also I think like working with those other women, yeah, like, yeah, I can yeah. just That's see her being like with Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon, like, uh huh. Like, I know, what? but I feel like the. I just think the. I just think those characters are Michelle Pfeiffer characters. You know, it's like obviously Certainly. her husband wrote it because you it's know? like Nicole Kidman in Big Little Lies is Michelle Pfeiffer. There is Absolutely. like there's an aspect where it's like it should have been her, but consequently. David E. Kelly is a Aries son, Aries Mercury. So gets at the directness in her chart, sort of bleeds out the darkness a little bit. And then also he has that he has a Mars and a moon in Capricorn. So they like relate possibly emotionally. And then the the Mars Capricorn, Mars Pisces connection, that's pretty hot. That's sort of Kinko. Oh, yeah, yeah, That's yeah, That's kinky, yeah, yeah. kinky, kinky, kinky. Definitely. And it's very, like, mm-hmm. he can pay for the house. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. You know, her Lilith is in Aries in that 11th house of network. And dumb, to me, dumb girl. <laughs> there's just something there about, like, when Big Little Lies came out, it was very, like, Shailene, Reese, Nicole, Ugh, um, and Laura and Zoe are all best friends. And it's so good to have women working together. And there's something about her Aries in the 11th house being like, no. Yeah, you know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah. There's something about her. She's just, her Aries 11th house to me is like so individualistic. Yes. And this idea of yes. like, you need to play a game. And this year the game is Be feminism. best friends. Yeah. yeah, or like this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I just don't think she can like do that. Like, I don't think she can like work the system in the way that someone like Viola Davis or Nicole Kidman can. Or Reese Witherspoon. Or Laura Dern, who's like the founder of the Oscars Museum or whatever. <laughs> okay. No, I know, but it is really true. And it is also like, she is so, it evidently is so secret she's so secret because it's like michelle pfeiffer has stories but she's not sharing them she is not coming out here and be like yeah so and so did so and so to so and so like she's had michelle pfeiffer has stories yeah yeah because she's like like, it's on just that's that's interesting i'm not saying they needed to have an affair but i just mean like if Michelle Pfeiffer is like talking to you backstage at the Oscars, like you're in love with her. 
You know what I mean? Like, she, of course, has stories. Yeah. Yes. Because she's so just like, okay, I mean, obviously, you and I are going to get chills, but, like, in Age of Innocence, the scene of all scenes. Mm -hmm. And in Batman Returns, the scene of all scenes. Yes, yeah. The red dress, he's sitting smoking a cigarette, she walks in the room, done. Done. In Batman Returns, Susie Sue is playing, they're at the masquerade ball, she comes down the stairs, finished. And it's like... Yeah, she's not going to be, like, hobnobbing. Like, she's not going to be, she like, need hanging to. out with the other women. No, she doesn't need to. She doesn't need to. Although, I think, like, obviously Daniel Day-Lewis is, like, a horn dog, but I also think that he's so not, too. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's more just, like, kissing her slipper. A little bit. Yeah, 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 definitely. He has a stallion in Taurus, though, so I could be wrong, but... Hot. Hot. Okay. Rise I just Capricorn watched my hot. beautiful laundrette. Oh, I've person. never seen that. It's not good, but he's like... Unble- I mean, he's so beautiful. Ugh, okay. I know, it's devastating. Um, I want to talk about Annette Benning being up for Catwoman and then getting pregnant. With Warren Beatty's... With Warren Beatty's... Child. Child. <laughs> so then Sean Young wanting the part. We know how that ended. Oh my God, right. Um, oh, we do know how that ended. And then Michelle ended. Pfeiffer like, fighting for the part and slaying um what else do we need to talk about with her to me there's just again i'm just you like, take the lead on this because she's michelle pfeiffer she's this is my mistress. thing with her watching that okay. okay okay i already talked about this in the in the pre-recorded intro of this episode i think that the piano Mm. is the end of Hollywood as we know it, which is to say the piano to me represents the dawn of the Weinstein era, which is like Holly Hunter wants an Oscar. We're getting Holly Hunter an Oscar. She's doing a period piece in which she plays a deaf woman, Mm -hmm. uh, a mute woman. She's getting an Oscar. And that becomes like the machine. And to me, Michelle Pfeiffer is like, uh, like she is like, wait, I thought I'm just supposed to be like acting roles and then it turns into this monster where it's like Alicia Vikander is playing the wife in the, yeah, the Danish yeah, girl. Yeah, Give her yeah, an Oscar. Yeah, 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 and to yeah. me, Michelle Pfeiffer represents the end of a certain milieu, which is like acting. <laughs> totally. Or it's like the other, the other, and I do actually think they have some similar similarities in their chart is like another actress that comes to mind that Michelle Pfeiffer is very much like which I can't believe I didn't, is fucking Elizabeth Taylor, obviously. Yeah. In terms of that. Mars and Pisces. Mars and Pisces. And Sun and Pisces. And, um, you know, like this bombshell sort of like, and is a, at one is such a fabulous, she's just such a fabulous actor. Oh, yeah. And I was, on Mother's Day, I took my mother to see Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf at the Paris Theater. And I hadn't seen Who's Afraid since, like, middle school or high school. I hadn't seen the movie for a very long time. Richard Burton, obviously, is the hottest man to ever exist. Similarly to John Malkovich. However, um, you know, my mom and I were talking, and she was like, you know what? I know 12-step is great, but the 12-stepification of culture has really rendered... You know, a film like that, a play like that will have will never be made again. And I was like, shuddered by that thought. Well, and you, and by the way, said that when 
the Shia LaBeouf movie came out two years ago, you yeah. were like, oh, okay, I'm watching another Alan on testimony. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't mean that. It's a def- yeah. yeah, a definite qualification, and I'm like, I'm not interested in that. That's right. for the rooms. But I, uh, but similarly to that, I think like you're totally right that like Hollywood transformed. The piano is such a good marker of when Hollywood did become more showcasing the wound rather than expressing the wound. Yeah. And like that is the the 12 stepification of narrative and like Michelle Pfeiffer is not about that. She's just about like I I am the wound. I am showing the wound like in a Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf way. Exactly. In terms of like this is how the mind works anyway with and there is no resolution like similarly again to Elizabeth Taylor's career it's like there's no like in Cat on a Hot Tin Roof there's no glory in Butterfield 8 she gets no glory like in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf there's no glory it's just the expression of the true essence of this person's existence and there is no resolve there is no happy ending there is just an ending and that is the Michelle Pfeiffer thing too where it's like you're so right she she embodies she embodies an era that is literally before her time but she is like the last actress of this old Hollywood that just expresses the existence of humans <laughs> rather than spotlights the existence well of- this is to me and I know that if you're listening to this podcast I'm a broken record but mm. like Promising Young Woman versus Batman Returns. Shut to up, me, shut up. when I watched Promising Young Woman, I was like, okay, well, Batman Returns did this times a thousand and And without being pedantic. Exactly. And told a story. And Batman Returns just like, you're right. It just is what it is and you can take what you take out of it, but it's about this like expression of this like raw primal Damn. You know, and Promising Young Woman is like, we're going to tell you about this cause. Right. Well, because a person, a friend of mine calls Promising Young Woman the new genre of woke exploitation, which I believe is real. Brutal. And it's real because, again, like, again, and this is so, like, the generation of Pluto and Scorpio did it, did it on them in terms of, like, we have to stop saying... This goes to all of my fellow Plutos and Scorpios. You know, we have to stop saying the issue. We have to just, like, ex- like <laughs> show. Like, it's like, show, don't tell. Just show it. Don't tell. For some reason, it's the Pluto the, and Scorpios are being a little... It's the Neptune and Capricorn. Oh, you think so? To, yes, the Neptune like, and, the Ur- and the Uranus and Capricorn in terms of, like... Making the dreams of career. Exactly. And it's just like... Mummy, daddy. Yeah, yeah, mommy. And it's just like, cut it out. We yeah. have to, as a generation, we have to learn how to show, don't tell. Like, please, 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 you guys. Yeah. It's enough. It's enough. So in terms of like <laughs> career trajectory, I would love if she did a little like of an Ellen Burstyn, Requiem for a Dream vibe. Like, I think she was starting that with Mother. Like, mm. I would love if they were like... Darren Aronofsky. We got Michelle Pfeiffer. She's gonna go fucking wild. Like I would love a, a little bit of that for her mm. for future, but I don't know. I mean, ugh. I don't. I again, like it's so hard to envision the future for Michelle Pfeiffer because even though she keeps doing it, because the world is so anti her method. Yeah, like we, it really is the rise. And like you guys, as people that believe in poetry, we have to rise against. We have to rise above. We have to cast 
actually talented people and actually <laughs> in roles. I like we have to cast talented actresses that can deliver parts rather than say political messages clearly. We have to um, write movies. Write also. movies. Like French, yeah, yeah. French exit. I was like, okay, she, the wig master, the stylist, showed up to work. No question asked. Yeah. No one wrote the movie. It was written by no one. It's mm. it's like truly potato world. And I was just like, okay, what uh, is this like a, a problem of like the indie film era where like you can just not write a movie well and it's like considered Who like, did French Exile? Who's the director? Some random? Gibberish. I think I see in my like fantasy Sims game of Michelle Pfeiffer's career, I like want her to work with like literally Michael Haneke. Michael Haneke. He did like funny games and the piano teacher. Great. Like she needs that level of like Great. European excellence, like ship her off, like let's get some Jeannet level darkness back in her career. Let's go. Yeah, Michael Haneke, I think she should work with Lars. I know that that No, and I was and about Emma, to and say fuck off Lars von Trier rocks everyone, no, and he well, gives amazing parts to women. Also, like, and I'm sorry, but he... L with Isabel Huppert by Verhoeven is amazing. Oh, Verhoeven, she and would be get her in a Verhoeven. You know that? Oh movie my God, get her in a fucking. A I need to see L. I haven't seen that L. movie. It's I like two heard. hours. I've heard she's in every single frame, mm. and it is you know it's bananas, and it's like yeah, give that to Michelle Pfeiffer, like. You're right. There is a European like artistry that she requires rather than being like Julianne Moore winning an Oscar for a movie about Alzheimer's. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Please yeah, come. Yeah, yeah, please come. She can't do that. Also, I don't know what is next on the docket. I really <laughs> detested Phantom Thread, and I will. Exp- mm. I really think Phantom Thread was trying to be continental and trying to be Jean Genet and really pulled back on the punch because P.T. Anderson is not. European and mm. nor is he a woman. So mm. uh I think she would do very well with PT. I'm shocked that they've never worked yeah. together. And also my last idea is I know it's all straight white men, but je ne sais quoi quoi. Um I love I mean, I love PT Anderson and I also love Steven Soderbergh, who I do think she also should work with. She would fucking tear the I, house down. He works with, well with Sharon Stone. He works well with Diane Weiss. He works well with Candace Bergen. I yeah, think he's great. He can he can her. rock yeah. the world. And, <laughs> and she could she's be beautiful like, enough for his weird experimental film techniques. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, you could you can the thing about Michelle her. you can do whatever <laughs> you want. The thing about Michelle Viver is she's the most beautiful person to ever exist. So right. put her in a weird LED box, film it with a taped up Kodak, you know, like well, Steven Soderbergh is a psychopath in terms of what he's always trying to do. And he, she would look amazing on an iPhone camera. There's no, in a right. weird, horrible if fluorescent you light, light. If you, you know? put anyone under the Selena Kyle lighting of, of the office scenes of Batman Returns where she's in uh, Christopher Walken's office and the shadows of her glasses are so intense that they're going up oh, to the ceiling. My God. No one else's face can handle no. that without like a lawsuit. Yeah, I agree. Like she could look be in one of his shit lit movies yeah, and yeah. be like, oh, you're, she could be you're an insane. Like she should have been. No, I agree. To be in Witches of Eastwick, she is the most beautiful woman in the world. 
it, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, right, that's it. You're the most beautiful woman in the world, hands down. See, and then this comes back to my question, astrology. It's same way with Sharon Stone in Casino, where you're like, oh, oh that's it. Oh, Sorry, truly. as you are saying. No, I know. But, but Michelle Pfeiffer, that Sharon Stone doesn't deliver to me. And when you were saying that she is Venus and Furs descending from heaven. Yeah. The thing about Michelle Pfeiffer is that she's so dangerous in this really beautifully inviting way. Whereas Sharon Stone's dangerous. Yeah, she's pure ice. She's yeah. pure ice. Yeah. And she's scary. And that's hot. But Michelle Pfeiffer is like, it's like, it's like you're surrendering your soul to her. It's the it, it's like, oh, if I so enter this crazy. house, I may not ever come out. Not because I'm held hostage, but because I may never want to leave. And that's literally like her sex appeal. Which is personally. that Pisces versus the mm. Virgo moon to me. Of oh my just God. like come into the womb yes. and then be sealed in. Yes, yeah. and sealed in. And yeah. like you want to. And it's, like, about desire and, and sand, whatever. Okay. So, Michelle Pfeiffer is that, like, warm. The thing is, is, like, she's so undeniably this. And, like, we are not the smartest people in the world. And we're not, like, like legendary <laughs> directors. So, like, there can't... The world is also... Like, Steven Soderbergh, I feel like, knows this. P.T. Anderson knows this. Michael Haneke knows this. Maybe Michael Haneke not so much, but like Roman American. Roman knows right, this. Right, exactly. So it's like, is the question, my question is, is it an issue of her not being understood, not being seen, being sort of swept away with the current trends? Fuck. Or is it her deciding, I don't want to do any of this shit? No, but you're making you know, me really like, think Because about... everyone knows this, but it's true. Her career hasn't been what it should be. But you're making me think about fellow Taurus, who's also in Dangerous Liaisons, Uma Thurman, where it's <laughs> like, you're not she is very, a girl yeah. in America. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah, not? Yeah, yeah. Right, and which is... in that movie, you guys. You're like, you are shit, literally so a Modigliani, just, yes. like, you look like an alien, you are, your mannerisms are not, you're not an American, like, everyday woman, like... No. Uma Thurman, <laughs> no, you, no, you no woman in the world looks at Uma Thurman and was like, I relate to you. Yeah. That's not, okay? <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think she and Michelle both have that thing, which is like, get like Botticelli in here to paint her. Mm -hmm. Get Roman Polanski to do something with her because you can't. But the you thing. Can't, that, unless it's Quentin Tarantino, you can't yeah, put her Yeah, but that's the thing with Michelle Pfeiffer too. I will say this. Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> wow, I could we could I could we we could do this for five hours. <laughs> I okay. Uma Thurman is so intense, an intense chorus. So, yeah. Because in my experience, my father, for example, had a huge, very verbal thing about Uma Thurman. Okay. Which is in retrospect traumatizing. Every man I've been with been with is like Uma all the way. Mm. I obviously have never related to Uma Thurman. I love her. Don't get me wrong. I don't, but I'm not like, she's the hottest thing since. No. 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 With Michelle Pfeiffer, it's, women talk about Michelle Pfeiffer so 
much. That's the grease too to me. Where it's and like, that is the ugh. thing. Is is like Michelle Pfeiffer is the most beautiful. She is Botticelli. She's from the fucking depth, the Venusian Aphrodite clamshell, the pearl deep in yeah. the muscle of the clam. She is the nubile essence yeah. of beauty incarnate. However, she every woman likes her. Riddle me the fuck that. I mean, that's crazy. Every woman is like, I love her. Like, I, ask true. anyone. That's They're true. like, I love fucking Michelle that's Pfeiffer. True. Every woman is like, and Michelle Pfeiffer's in it. So riddle me why she isn't Nicole Kidman. Why? I don't get it. She has the fucking juice, dudes. I really What think, the fuck? But this to me goes back to the Kirsten Dunst episode, which is a Taurus. Mm. Kirsten Dunst also a Taurus boys, is, girls, got they're gaga. Right, her. but a Taurus yeah. is is gonna be quality over quantity. Meryl Streep and Nicole Kidman will do 37 movies a year. And Michelle Pfeiffer, it's like, can I see the script first? You know? And you that is hard. You don't think that... Sorry. <laughs> you don't think... Oh my God. Okay, you guys down. are so annoying. Yeah. Um, you don't think it's not because people aren't um, approaching her? With these innovative ideas. Ah, no, it's it's uh, that you is think, absolutely. Okay, 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 okay. That is That's absolutely. That's what I'm saying. It's like, is was like, she? I my whole question because when I first was like, when my mom, I remember the day when she was like, she's underrated. Where the fuck is the career right. she deserves? I'm like, you know, it's like that moment where you find out that like sexism and racism exists you're like now i can't unsee it you know what i mean where it's like oh my god this is the system is against michelle like oh my god and like this whole time i've sort of been like oh they're against her for some reason i'm like i wonder if there's like a mina suvari sort of like mark on her because they're just really i mean like she can't maybe she marries david e callen she's like i don't need to work bitch Right, and like she is very maybe. Like, I mean, that was it. Virgo Moon Fourth House. Like, I want to be perfect, mommy. But no, to me, it's also like she's not a cliche, so it's harder to like. I don't know, like the way that gay men love Glenn Close and Meryl Streep, it's so it's outrageous it's to me. Pitiful. It's pitiful. And it's like pathetic. really embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> and there's something about her where she's like not that, and there's more of that Virgo Moon like. She is a sphinx. She is not... She is an actress, but she is not, like... <clears throat> I don't know. I just... To me, she's just not... She's not good with PR. She's not good with playing the game. And she doesn't really want to be, like, carted around on a press tour. In the same way that Nicole Kidman does. You know, Nicole Kidman, it's so, like... Every movie I've done... I've loved everyone I've worked with mm. and we bonded so much and I love acting. Like mm. her Mark Marin interview is so like Oh my oh, god. I'm it's so lucky so to weird. do what I do, Mark. I know. Michelle is like, I don't really wanna do this. I don't wanna do this interview. I don't wanna do this red carpet. I wanna act, but like uh for who you know and I think it makes it harder for her to be approachable because you can't just like throw her around. I think she's less of a punching bag. I don't know. Maybe. I there's think a, there's a right. hard duality I think there. you're right. I think you're totally right. I just... No, she is not it just is, it, it just 
is shocking to me. No, you're right. And when I saw that Annette Bening movie... Which one? Um, film stars don't die in Liverpool. <laughs> with, like, her and Jamie <laughs> Bell, I was like, okay, Who this... is that based on? She plays the... I'm already... I can't even remember. It was so miscast. It was clearly Michelle Pfeiffer's role, head to toe. Like, the minute the movie started, I was like, this isn't right. <laughs> Really? It was so Gloria Graham. She plays Gloria Graham. Graham. It is so Michelle Pfeiffer's role, but you're but you're right. There's something where it's like, oh, let's approach Annette Benning. Not let's approach Michelle Pfeiffer. You know? I agree. There's something benighted, and maybe that's the twelfth house sun, but there's something that's a little bit hidden from view. It's hidden from view. I mean Annette Benning is a whole different other fucking bag of cats. Cats. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um Okay. Okay. Um I mean, they, I really could go on just because I know like, we both can really go on for the rest of actresses, our lives. And, you've yeah. opened me up to actress theory mm-hmm. and now it's, it's all theory. I think about I know, all the it's time. It's intense. It's intense. Where I'm just like, this whole world is rigged. It is. is. sick. Absolutely. And like, even just when I. Well, it's, you know what? It's not this whole world is rigged. I'm going to say this about actress theory before okay. we sign off. Okay. Actress theory is. Okay, actresses occupy, in my mind, the 12th house. Okay. Karma, past lives, self-undoing, channeling, the dark room, um, closure. Closure and also... Self-sacrifice. Self-sacrifice and convalescence, the spaces in which you cannot incorporate yourself into society. So this is also why, why actresses are such amazing and like I'm not like like what this movement right now of like actresses coming forth and like saying all of these like atrocities that have been committed against them and you believe them obviously and there's no doubt that they've been committed however their behavior like the actress behavior and the actress psychology is so 12th house where it's like Yes, obviously you've been abused, but also there's been some, like, psycho... Like, like you're also you're also channeling... It, okay, that's, like, I believe all the actresses. I don't want to, like, say no, no, that no, I you're don't. basically I'm just saying, saying like, they're entering, like, a domain where... Um, they're entering, basically, like, a dark, gothic yes, domain yes, of the soul. Yes, And yes. then, of course, there are these, like, awful... Because, like, but, they're but, no, 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 this, no, no. like, this psychological I mean. vortex, yes. and then there's consequences. But it's, like, the process of acting is a psychological vortex, when, where, what, regardless of what you're acting. Yes. And abuses are committed against actresses, no doubt. However, the public will never understand them. That's exactly. what I'm saying. Exactly. The, we will never fully understand the actual atrocities or the actual thing that happened because... It is committed in a spiritual dark vortex. However, the abuses are real. All of that, yes. Totally. And that's why I'm obsessed with the actress theory because it is behind the illusionary curtain. It is like discussing a magician's magic tricks. It's yes. like we'll never know, but we also, if you are an actress, you 100% know. And that's how I occupy it as also an actress, but also as like, you know, Mars and Gemini, like, like, you know, so analytical where it's like, 
I get both aspects. Like, I get to observe as a fan. Mm. And I also then also have it inside of me. And I also can imagine myself there. And I've also been there. So, the actress theory is... I mean, right. it's massive. Girl. Because it's about it's like girl. I am walking into the twelfth house. I am. I am. Jesus is coming off the cross. Yeah. I'm gonna get on there for him mm-hmm. willingly. I am going into the dark castle. Mm-hmm. You, the twelfth house is the domain of the ego death. So there's right, this aspect exactly. where it's like your career is self annihilation. Yes, yes. And then and humiliation. And, and humiliation. humiliation. Yes. And then of course these abuses are happening. And it's just a little more dense because it's like this all happened kind of in the in, oubliette in, where, right. where we couldn't see it anyway. Or anyways. in Dracula's castle. Exactly. It's like it's like, of course Dracula that all those atrocities were committed, but we'll never really understand. Because it's like because the camera and just like the act of the camera, the stage, all of this they're they're magical spaces. Yes. They're truly magical spaces. We're entering the fucking mirror dimension. I mean, like, that's what's so interesting to me about the actress in general because it's, they're 12th house people operating in 11th house public image masses. Right. And, like, they can't fully... Co- they can, they coexist, but they cannot coalesce. Do you know what I mean? They cannot combine. And it's always... The actress is always delivering the message from behind the mirror. Which is... They will never cross that portal. Um, which is the opposite to of... Yeah. To me, like... The actor is a sixth house, which is like, this is my process. This right. is what I do. And this is... This, you know, we've talked about this, but like... When I listened to Robert Pattinson's Terry Gross interview where she asked him innocuously, how do you feel playing Batman? The agony of hearing Mm. about his like, well, when you get Get in in, the mask, it was like, you know, for the actress, it's like, oh, I'm literally just crossing the threshold and the dimension is opening and I don't exist anymore. Oh, well, and also the other thing is I want to say too is that actually perhaps... I'm not actress realm. And I think this is why I can like, right. I can talk about it. I'm actually entertainer fifth house realm. Mm. I'm actually an entertainer. And there's a real difference right. between the entertainer fifth house, the actress 12th house and the actor sixth house. Yes. There's a real difference between those. Not, you know, just because they're in the same business does not mean that they're the same beast. I can do amazing dramatic acting, but I'm an entertainer. I like to entertain. I'm, my aim is to entertain. So it's not, it's not Nicole Kidman. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not, yeah. that, that's 12th house shit where it's like, you know, the Michelle It's a Fiber little shit. more to me like, <laughs> it's a little more in like the B. Arthur realm of like, what is the show? Who's the audience? What am I doing? Like, it's yeah. way more like, I'm doing a role, but I understand that there's a larger thing in play. Right. Michelle Pfeiffer, it's like, take me to the, like the darkest cell of the tallest tower. Right. And I'll speak from Right, there. exactly. You're like, I'm aware of the larger thing that I'm doing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And it's like, and I, I'm very like of the entertainment world of like, we've just got to get him in. We got to get him happy. We got to get him out. Like, yes. it's like, it's like, that's like, yes. that's the whole thing. It's the, you know, it's the, it's the show. It's it, fifth house is show business. Yes. 12th house is acting. 
You know what I mean? And yes. they're in theater and these illusionary Contracts. spaces, yes, of the Dracula's castle. Whereas, oh, like, I don't, and I think this is why I can be, like, obsessed with actresses. Because, like, I am not trapped in the castle, really. I actually don't, actually, yeah, my 12th house is in Aries. Right. And you're a multi-hyphenate. I mean, right, 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 right. Exactly, yeah. exactly, um, exactly. Naturally, yes. Anyone listening can get a reading from Ruby. Yes, you can, darlings. Um, <laughs> we can talk, talk, talk. I mean, want. this is what you get. Um, <laughs> I got a reading in December that totally changed the course of my year slash life. So, Ruby does astrology and tarot readings. Uh, where can people be following you? On my Instagram at Ruby Dash McAllister. Um, and yeah, I'm an actress, but you know what? The astrology is speaking to me right now. It's what I'm doing a lot. It's what I am. I'm taking many readings. I love it. I'm in it. Yeah, if that's you, your 12th it's, house. It's, that's my 12th house is the Aries right, right now. It's just mm. like, I'm in the 12th house of giving people's readings. <laughs> I love it. I step in. Yeah. We go interdimensional together. It's not scary. I'll make you laugh. No, it's not. I'll make you laugh, darling. And yeah, contact me on my Instagram. And this is amazing, as always. Duh. Thank you uh, for this third recording uh, <laughs> on the show. I cannot wait for number four, John Malkovich. Oh, John Malkovich. The Luminaries is made with love in New York City. Consulting producer Carly Hugendijk. Art by Greg Kozitek and music by Henry Kapersky. To book a reading, tarot, or astrology with me, David Odyssey, you can email me, adavidodyssey at gmail.com, or DM me on Instagram, david underscore odyssey, O-D-Y-S-S-E-Y. Thanks for listening. Be sure to share, rate, subscribe, etc. See you next Tuesday. Mwah.